Hey, podcast listeners, Pastor Freddie T here. We've got a great podcast today. We've got a real lifer telling some of his story. I think you're going to be intrigued. I think you're going to love it. And we actually even talk about what what is life really all about. Um, so you're going to need some time. I wouldn't say we get long-winded, but we take a deep dive, and uh, I think you're going to love it. Enjoy the podcast. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning, Freddie T. JV, your voice sounds a little weird. It what's, sounds way better than normal. What's, go, what's going on over there? I don't know. I just, it, my voice is like more, it's deep. It's, 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 I just feel better today. And you shaved your head. I shaved my head. Uh, got, got better looking. It's not JV. It's <laughs> the man, the myth, the legend, Pastor Tim Newsbomber. Standing in for the big man himself. Good morning. How are you? I, I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm doing great. I'm looking up a verse. Right now, on my, I'm distracted because I'm looking up a verse on my phone. But um, <laughs> yeah, man, no, I'm doing good. I, you know, I mean, I think my heart is really, really heavy right now yeah. because of so much that's going on. You know, last week there was an untimely death of a Clarksville High student. You know this. Some of our podcast listeners know this, but um, the football coach's wife called me. Yeah, Jack's on the football team. My oldest son. She said, has coach called you? No. Has Jack called you? No. And anyway, she told me about the news. And I said, let me know if you want me to come. So so she said, the football team will be in the field house at 1045. Please come. So I got in there. I took uh, Clay, our student minister, with me. And so we got over there, got checked in at the office and into the, lock, into the locker, locker room, the field house, football field house before all the students started coming in and you could tell on their faces who had gotten the news and who hadn't. Mm. So some of them were called to come and they didn't know why they were coming. Yeah. Um, and, and they all packed in probably probably close to 200 students are packed into this like sardines in this locker room. And so the football coach, coach Shelby, who's a real lifer, he shares this news with the team. You know, he's a football coach. Mm-hmm. He's not a school psychologist or a pastor or, you know, and he loves the students well. Um, and he shares the news. And 10 seconds later, he passes it to me. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> Pastor Freddie T's going to come. Uh, yes, I am. You know, <laughs> and uh, I'm really, really grateful that he trusted me for that moment and wanted me to be there and um you know so who knows what to say in those moments you know but um it, the darkness in those moments hangs over our head and if we don't shine the light yep. and those that don't know Christ and even those that do will think that the darkness is what's supreme yeah. and cuz those moments are so heavy and so dark and so I was really, really grateful just to get to minister to those students in that moment. And that was, so that was very heavy. The Lord is already working through the tragedy. Yep. I've got students texting me and thanking, thanking me for being there, all these kinds of things. 
got to share the gospel that day with a high schooler on the way to the baseball game who's also a football player. Wow. And I asked him in the car, I said, I said, has anybody ever explained to you how you could have your sins forgiven and, you know, and know God personally? He's like, he said, no. And I said, would it be okay if I do that? And I, I love that approach to sharing the gospel with somebody. You just ask them for permission. Mm-hmm. And, and you hear in the inflection of their voice, like a receptivity or a resistance. And, and he's like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, like, <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, yeah, that sounds like good news. Would you please tell me this, you know? And so just loved leaning in and sharing the gospel with him. And his yeah. dad, his dad came up and thanked me for caring, caring for him last night. Anyways, so that's pretty heavy. And then, and then of course, yesterday um, in Nashville, right. there's a school shooting that took the lives of sweet little children and faculty and in Nashville, so just down the road uh, from where we live here in Clarksville, and you know, trying to wrap your head around it, it's. I remember when the first school shootings began to take place in our country, mm-hmm. and it was jarring, and it was, it, like, trying to wrap your head around it, and and now, most of them have happened far away from here, but in our country. Yep but there've been so many that it's 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 almost easy to become desensitized to it and so now that it's in Nashville and you've got friends I've got a friend in Nashville that's a counselor and today she's sitting down with the best friend of one of the little girls that was killed hmm. you know and and anyways so you asked me how I'm doing I'm doing great but man my heart is heavy yeah they said something like that was like the 120th shooting yeah. this year, which yeah. I can't even imagine. And, you know, you, you can feel it around town. I'm sure yeah. in Nashville you can feel it, the the heaviness. I remember um, after you guys were at CHS, uh, Clay came into the office, and I, I saw it on his face. And, he, you know, he said, he's like, oh, my goodness. He's like, I, I get it now. Like the urgency that we have is – he felt it more because of that moment. And we talked about it and we said like, Hey, as, as dark as this is, as hopeless as it feels to some of these folks, you know, you talk about low hanging fruit. I, I told them like all the fruit in the tree just dropped like 10 feet yeah. because people that had never thought about eternity are yeah. now thinking about right. eternity. And when you say low hanging fruit, you mean for ministry, for ministry and for evangelism, to connect with people. Yeah. 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 To share, you know, when these sorts of things happen, people are looking for hope. They're looking for answers. And uh, that's where we have a, a duty and an obligation to to step up and to provide those answers because we have we have the truth. We have the the hope. And so as as hard as it is, I think that's that's that light you were talking about. We get to shine yeah. the light and, and offer people a different a different way. Yeah. So. You know, it's it's really interesting. I've preached a lot of funerals. You and I were talking about this yesterday. I've preached a lot of funerals in my life. And I've never, until just recently, used John eleven, mm. the the death and resurrection of Lazarus. But yeah. in there, you have the famous shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. Yep. And, um, you know, most of my life, that verse has kind of been joked about about people memorizing, memorizing scripture. It, yeah, yeah. You know, and oh, I've got a Bible verse memorized, <laughs> and it's Jesus wept and it became so helpful as I've been caring for people that have lost loved ones. 
and I felt like the Lord gave me that verse for the, all these students, you know, just to put before them, Jesus had a friend die and he wept, you know, and just to say to them, you know, I mean, you've got all these big football players who are trying to fight back their tears because I'm a football player, you know? And, right. And just to lean into that moment with them. So I'm really grateful, um, to be able to be the light in the midst of the darkness. And I'm hopeful that God's going to bring transformational life, altering trajectory, shaping, um, impact through tragedy. Yes. And, um, but my heart is heavy. Yeah. Yeah. yeah me too. Me too. I'll bring some levity to it this morning. So <laughs> the whole podcast is not, uh, I, I told you this, uh, but our podcast listener that we'll introduce in the second section has not heard this, nor has DJ Daniel Cox heard this. Um, so yesterday morning, I'm so fired up about our time, Timmy. And if you, ha- if you don't know what our time is, we'll explain it in just a second. I'm so fired up about it. And Sunday night, we had what we call our advance commitment night. So I'll tell a little bit about that in just a second. But I was so excited that I woke up at 4 a.m. Monday morning, and I couldn't go back to sleep. So so I'm out of bed, headed to the drive-thru at McDonald's at 5 a.m. And uh, I go through the drive-thru, and it's just, you know, it's just kind of me and the two people working there at that time. It's just (laughs) not real busy at McDonald's at that time. And uh, the lady on the intercom asks me, uh, after I give her my order, do you want to round up to 11? And I was waiting for her to say for the Ronald McDonald house or, you know, for leukemia, you know, for cancer research, you know, or yeah, (laughs) some sort of context. Right. It was zero context. She only asked me, do you want to round up to 11? (laughs) And I thought, you gotta be kidding me. What kind of world are we living in? You want to just give us some money? You know? So, um, so I say, no, thank you. I don't know that I said, thank you. I, don't know, but I said, no. And I drive around to the first window and there's this young gal and she's got all kinds of braids in her hair and they were like neon blue, you know? And it was, so it was like, I'm like, I'm so happy to see you this morning. You know, like you're already brightening my day. But that question. And I said, I said, you asked me if I wanted to round up to 11. She said, uh-huh. It's still no, no, Not, context. no context. No, no, like, oh yeah, that's for, you know? Right. And, uh, and she said, do you? I said, no. I said, uh, I said, why don't you round me down to 10? <laughs> and she says, you want me to? And I said, yeah. Can you round me down to 10? She said, let me put, let me punch a promotion in and, and I'll give you that orange juice free. And I said, that sounds great. <laughs> and she did. And uh, I was like, wow. hey, this is going to be a good week. You just brought, you know, and you never know unless you ask. Like, oh, listen. Oh, I, so, Susan, Lily, Parker, and I went down to Plumline Coffee the other mm-hmm. day. And, no, we ended up going to Sanctuary on Main. Have you been to Sanctuary on Main? Uh, yes. Yep, yep. little new agey, you know, but good coffee. Um, and um, a friend of mine from high school actually runs it. And, um, well, the kids didn't want their – they wanted Frappuccinos. Right. The good coffee shops don't do Frappuccinos. <laughs> So Susan and I got a little something, and then on the way back, we stopped at Dutch Brothers. And uh, so Dutch Brothers, if you've never been to Dutch Brothers, it's like their goal is to like... It's a milkshake shop disguised as a coffee shop. <laughs> that's right. But like, what's your what's your experience at Dutch Brothers? Oh, like the interaction piece. They love to talk to you. That's they crazy. love to interact. Next yeah. level. Yeah. So if you're an introvert, like beware. Susan does not like it. Right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. if you feel like, oh my goodness... 
I'm going to be required to talk. I yeah. just want my coffee. Yeah, and not just talk, but it's like, tell me more. Tell me more. I, I can't more. imagine like a Dutch Brothers in New Jersey where people don't like to talk at all. Like, I just don't think it would work. How many <laughs> FUs would they? Oh, right? just give me my coffee. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I worked at Starbucks right there on George Street. Oh, yeah. And the F-bombs flew freely when people had to wait. Okay, so anyways, <laughs> back to Dutch Brothers. So we order Lily a drink and Parker a drink. And, uh, and I, so I asked the gal before she can engage me, I'm engaging her. I know. Surprise, surprise. So <laughs> she's coming to the window and I was like, all right, I got a quiz for you. She's like, all right. You know, she's like, yes, this is what we live for at Dutch brothers. And I said, what month did you guys open last year? And the only reason I knew is because I had the Dutch brothers app on my phone and I happened to pull in the day they opened and I got my drink free. Oh, uh-huh. So it shows like the month that my app started, like in the app. So I knew it was August. Well, she knew it was August too. So I was like, you were right. Give her a high five, you know. <laughs> so then we talked just for a second, ordered the drinks. Well, doggone it. She gave me, gave us one of the, she said, she said, I'm making one of these drinks free because you were so kind, you know, it's like, no way. <laughs> I was like, kids, did you see that? You know, it's like when you, like, you just never know how you can brighten up somebody's day and get a free Orange Juice or Dutch Brothers. Why do I feel like Pastor Free Tea, every time now he goes to a drive-thru, he's going to hear the amount and he's going to be like, yeah, and I just love to, like, uh, if you can just round that down for me, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> can I tell you one more <laughs> drive-thru example? Okay, I love Wendy's. It's like guilty pleasure. You know, it's probably really food, really bad for you, but I love <laughs> Wendy's. And like, you know, growing up, Taco Bell had the 59, 69, 79 menu and yep. like you could eat for days on two bucks, right? And um, eat, eat in like air quotes. That's right. That's, that's, that's right. Well, Wendy's for the longest time had like junior bacon cheeseburger for 99 cents, you know? Right. And it's just like when something's under a dollar, it, it just sucks you in. Right? It does. And um, so, but I like Wendy's food and um, I don't eat it a lot, but I pulled in, I pulled in this particular day and, um, oh, this is a different, sorry. Here's what happened. We're on the road getting our COVID dog story's too long Two two windows. I asked the first, I ask, ask, how, how did it go down? <laughs> I asked the lady where I was paying. I said, what percentage do you think my order is going to be right in the bag? Oh no. <laughs> because Wendy's is notorious for getting your order wrong. <laughs> like it's like if I was a gambling man, I would gamble large amounts of money that my order is going to be wrong. Something <laughs> in the order is going to be wrong. <laughs> she said 80%. <laughs> well, <laughs> she, I appreciate the honesty there. You know? I'm like, hey, is my, when I drive up to this next Wednesday window, is my order going to be right? No. Mm, 80, 80% sure it will be. <laughs> Man, they're throwing themselves under the. So I'm like, I'm like let me pay you 80% of that. Exactly. <laughs> oh Anyways. my goodness. That's funny. Hey, I'm super excited to, to, to talk about our time and to get to know our guest. Tim, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah. Today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm what's, doing great. What's the latest in the news bomber world? Well, we are. So. When when we lived in New Jersey, we were really big into. I was big into trail running, and we, as a family, would go on hikes together. So we're trying now that the weather is getting good again. We're trying to get that back. Um, so we've been going out to. We're, we live out um, very close to Dunbar Cave, and so we've been going on the trails in the back there. 
which has been fun. Although ever since the storms came, it's like an obstacle course back there, you know, trying to get over, over the trees. So we're really loving that. Ian uh, is my 20 year old. He's going every day, taking our big 135 pound dog um, out, out there with him, you know, um, for, couple hours at a time your dog weighs twice as much as you do he is a big big Mm -hmm. dog we have two dogs we have like a little 10 pound yorkie and then 135 pound uh bernie diddle so so that's been fun like uh we we got a call from ian last night at like 7 30 at dunbar cave and he's like um uh mom dad come pick me up because he stayed too long and got Lucky locked man. in the park. That's so, awesome. Yeah, I was like, That's like, oh so man, great. I hope he doesn't have a ticket this morning, but you know, <laughs> yeah, what are you going right. to do? But, right. but yeah, so it's been fun to kind of get back out and try to get active again. Very so, cool. Yep, yep. Um, I, speaking of, of being active, uh, you and I, uh, growing up, we played a lot of ping pong. <laughs> That's right. Uh, That's right. Table tennis. Yep. And um, you would probably beat me going back to Wendy's. 80% of the time. 80%. Okay. That's, would, would you say that I would that's say at least, yeah. Yeah. How you think it was yeah, more? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it more? I don't know. I I, I thought so, but you know. Two you know, times out of two. You don't think I would beat you two times out of ten? Two times. Like eh, 1.5. It's possible. It's 1. If 5. I spotted you some points, maybe. One time? <laughs> I, I think I at least beat you one time out of ten. Well, I know you beat me the last time we played. Well, that's what I was getting to. <laughs> oh. So, I popped into this 931 cafe over there on the... Um, on the not the, uh, it's, it's early this is why we should do the podcast not, in the yeah. afternoon and they have a they have a table tennis they have a ping mm-hmm. pong table right in the middle of the little restaurant and so i was like oh we're gonna have our staff meeting there and i'm gonna beat tim in front of all the <laughs> staff and ping pong and um so i like now that we work together like i don't think you gave me that game no but i handled you pretty well handily. i mean Two points, three points, two points. But I was playing with my left hand. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so and that I, was going to be a two out of three, but we never got to the. I beat you pretty game good. two. <laughs> are you are you doing okay with that? No, I'm, I'm ready to. We need to. We need the next staff meeting to be at Cafe Nine Three One. Would all you <laughs> podcast listeners give Pastor Tim a hug on Sunday when you Please. see? Please, because. After beating me for years <laughs> without sweating, I beat him the other it's day. It's so true. Um, okay, hey, enough of all this. Uh, we've got some good stuff to talk about, and we're going to come back on the next section and talk about it. We'll be right back. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday in real life. We believe God has put you in the neighborhood and in the job and at the ballpark or at the gym right where he wants you to influence and invite others into his story, into a relationship with him. So here's today's challenge. Text a friend right now. Stop what you're doing. Send them a message and invite them to join you at Real Life this Sunday. Who knows? Maybe it'll be their first step into a relationship with God. Every Sunday is somebody's first Sunday at Real Life. So text that friend today. And we are back. Tim, we are in such an exciting season in the life of our church. Uh, we have a theme for the vision, for the ministry that God has called us to and entrusted to us. Um, we're calling it Our Time. That's anchored into a couple of Bible verses um, where the apostles in the book of Acts say that God appointed the time and the place where every person on the planet would live. You see the sovereignty of God in that verse. 
putting us right where we are. Uh, and then, and then we hear Jesus in John chapter nine, verse four, um, speaking about the urgency of his mission. Night is coming when no one can work. So we must work the works of him who sent us while it's still day. So we're, so we're trying to help our whole church see you're not here by mistake. You're where you are. You're where you are by God's appointing, and we believe it would please the heart of God if you saw that rolled up your sleeves and gave it your all to advance the gospel and to see His church flourish. So that's where we are with our time. Love it. Yep. I I don't know about you, but like being out on the land on Sunday. It's like I in my brain I know it's coming, but like that to me, the urgency just came that much more of here we are standing in a place that months from now we're gonna, Lord willing, be breaking ground. And um I just got fired up, man. I just got fired up being there and thinking about what's to come on the land for that purpose of, you know, being a light, what we talked about earlier. Yes, yes. Where we've got kind of three pillars as we envision the ministry as we move forward. Our time to equip and empower every generation, our time to send and multiply, and our time to build and establish roots. So we're in a season where we're asking every real lifer to expand their giving. For some, that means going from not giving at all to beginning to give, maybe for the first time in their life. Uh, for others, that might mean already a sacrificial giver, expanding their their generosity even more. Um, and it may be, I mean, you know, it, it's really amazing hearing the stories of how God's already moving on the hearts of people, but our two goals are a hundred percent participation. So every real lifer, um, and you see this beautifully lived out in Haggai's day right. where all the remnant obeyed the voice of the Lord to rebuild the temple. So in, on their occasion, the whole, the whole remnant responded to what God was putting in front of them. Um, and then a second goal is $5 million. And of that $5 million, $1.1 million of it is for year one ministry budget. $1.2 million of it is for year two ministry budget. So all the normal expenses right. for day-to-day ministry. And then $2.7 million of it is for capital going to the building. Um, so you referenced Sunday night. What did we have Sunday night? Uh, it was called Advanced Commitment Night. And... So, a chance for our leaders and some other core folks that said, like, uh, we're ready to give our commitment ahead of uh, when most people are coming on Easter Sunday, and that will be Commitment Sunday. And these this was a time for the leaders to step up because, as you said, and as we talked about in Haggai, like, leaders go first, right? The, the Word of the Lord comes to the leaders first. And so, it's a chance to kind of model and to go first. And we had a, a, about, a about an hour worship service right there in by, and by the way, the best weather of the year it's by far day. on the land, and uh, just a sweet, sweet time. Like I'm, like what I know, like you were really moved by. It. Like what, what was it for you that was just so special that woke you up at four a.m. the next morning? <laughs> yeah, well, you know that that afternoon on the land, it was laughter and tears. Yeah, you know, and it wasn't overdone. But I, but I think what was beautiful for me is is that was the first fruits of leaders consecrating their hearts before the Lord. Uh, Tim, as as I've as the pastor, as I've kind of led us into this, uh, 
there's been a lot of, you know, heavy lifting and carrying of the logistics, right? you know, uh, putting videos together and booklets together and having vision events and those kinds of things. Um, but like every step we've taken, the spiritual nature of the process has deepened and grown for me. Mm. And so I think on the land that was, a, it was a little bit of a culmination, you know, for me of, um, seeing it, it was, it was, uh, it was kind of some of the fruit yeah. yeah, of a lot of hard work, but then, but it was more than that because it was, it was just seeing God's work in people's lives. And, you know, everybody was on that land to say, we are making a sacrifice. We are making a commitment and we do need the Lord to help us follow through on this commitment. And mm. it's just special. It was just, just special time. And I'm so grateful for the people in our church. And yeah, so it was a holy moment. It was a sacred service, you know, uh, mingling of laughter and tears and, and, um, mm. yeah. So good, man. Y- yeah. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, has been so good for me in this initiative is to be reminded of like the power of story and the power of seeing other people and God work through other people and, and sharing their story. And, uh, you know, in the land, we got, to, we got to hear a little bit about your story. I love the, the whole baseball card oh, yeah. uh, thing. Like where so sounds wild. like, uh, sounds like Jack kind of went up, went up to you on the baseball card thing, by the way, like <laughs> your well, card's, cards not worth, not worth so much is I worth a lot. So, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So just to reference real briefly yeah. to reference what you're talking about last week on the podcast, I shared this story about how God started dealing with Susan, uh, about some extra sacrificial, giving of stored resources. And when I heard her, the Lord immediately begins to deal with me as I begin to verbalize that there's another something that she's identifying that she could sell. So then a couple of days after the podcast dropped, Mary poor messages me and she's like, I just listened to the podcast. God's really speaking to me about this piece of art that I need to sell. She's actually has two pieces of art she is going to sell and whichever one brings the greater value. She's giving that uh, to the Lord through the church. And um, yeah, so that's pretty awesome. So we told Mary's story and Susan's story and a little bit of my story on Sunday morning and we got home and Jack, my son. So my story involves selling my baseball cards and my baseball cards are in Jack's room because I, I gave them to him, but he doesn't, he didn't want them, mm. but he has his own baseball cards kind of with that. And so when he heard me like a week and a half ago talking about God leading me to sell these baseball cards, he, he said, you're not selling my cards like that. <laughs> you're not selling my cards, you know, like, let's just be clear, you know? And, um, when we got home from church after this past Sunday, Jack, helps tear down. So he comes to early service and he comes home and eats something. And then he goes back to, to tear down after the second service. So he was gone, but on the kitchen table was this autographed, authenticated autographed magic Johnson Jersey. And in about 20 baseball cards and, uh, Oh, Susan, I, you know, like as a parent, you're like, okay, do I believe everything that I, that's going here? Because now my kid's about to give away his most valuable things that he owns and get some of them were gifts that were given to him. And, um, so anyways, man, I could, I could, I could share so much about this, but what's really fascinating to me and, and really it's just got me so fired up, you know, a, that God's capturing the heart of 
of my oldest son, who's pretty chill, quiet, and a little mysteriously stoic sometimes. <laughs> and um, so that's really exciting. But he has a real financial mind. Mm-hmm. And to hear him process how his cards are worth more than my cards, you know, like <laughs> like he's really thinking about it from a strategic financial perspective. And he's thinking about it on how can our family, you know, yeah, like it's it's a sacrifice for him, but it's a it's a family. anyways. So, man, I'm so fired up to watch all this unfold, and I may tell more about this story on Sunday morning. But, um, you know, to to the podcast listeners, I just say keep listening to the Lord, you know, because Susan and I we thought we had we thought we had made our expanded giving, we thought we had kind of dialed it in, but the Lord was just getting going with us. Yeah, and, and I think that that's where the power story really comes in because hearing some of those stories and how everyone's stored resources are just, they're so different. I, I think we can get stuck, and I'll, I'll be honest, like when, when I first saw the box on the little commitment card that said stored resources, I'm like, well, <laughs> going to be skipping that one because like after, after being in New Jersey for 18 years, we just don't have a lot of stuff. But then hearing, you know, stories it gets your mind, the creative parts of your brain kind of going. I'm like, okay, well, I don't have like necessarily stuff, but I do have this sort of other thing that I do from time to time, you know, where we uh, teach. Uh, we, we, Tell us about this. Okay. this is, you were, yeah. This is so cool because you were telling me, I, I, I was telling you at lunch yesterday how inspired I was by yours and Robin's generosity in your our time commitment. And you told me kind of about this stored resource piece. Yeah. So like in New Jersey, one of the ways that uh, God provided for us as church planters was this uh, sort of a random job where we get to go in and uh, teach doctors how to communicate. And so they'll they'll fly us somewhere either in the country or even out of the country to to train up doctors. And it's, you know, very quick, like one day turnaround type jobs and it pays well. And so as I'm thinking through, well, you know, I, I wish I had a stored resource to give. Um, it hit me that I have my first one of these since before the pandemic. It's been it's been three years now since I've even done one of these like little quick jobs. And there's one coming up in late April. And as I'm just praying through, God's like, there's your stored resource. And so I, I mentioned to you yesterday that like for us, you know, that's a chance of like, no, I'm not able to sell anything, but this is what I have. And so taking that job and we're just, you know, I'm going to, that is my stored resource that I'm, I'm going to give, you know, back to the church as part of our time. And it, you know, it hit me, it, it, like the joy you get in just discovering like how God wants to work through you in that way. Yeah. Like, yes, it's, it's a sacrifice and yes, you know, you feel it when you give, but it really is like it's, it's, I'm much more excited and joyful about it than I am like, Oh man, you know, I have to give this up. And I think that's the part that I think is contagious. Cause as I see your joy and Jack's joy and Susan's joy and Mary Poor's joy, that it, it it's contagious and it gets you just fired up of like, man, what do I get to do? And that's, that's what I think is beautiful about the way real life church approaches our giving. So good, man. Well, it's, I think it's amazing that you train doctors all over the world, how to communicate. I think that's pretty awesome. It's fun. And, um, it's, I'm so moved by your generosity to give what your, your next gig training doctors just to give what you're going to make to with that. And so thank you. Thank you for making that sacrifice. It's been so wild. I got an email. I got an email from a gal Sunday 
you know, saying, you know, we're a part of another ministry that they're asking for giving and they had felt like giving out is what she said, you know. Mm-hmm. And she said the Lord's used these testimonies and these stories um, to inspire her. She's got a coin that belonged to like a relative or she's got a couple of coins. And the Lord led her to sell one of them and give it away or to give the coin away. I think it's a valuable coin. And she always felt like parting with it would be losing this dear person to her. Mm. But the Lord's now spoke to her about this coin. So she's, she's going to give this coin away. And then I had another family come up to me at the advanced commitment night and they've got thousands of baseball cards. And they said, we want to go through them with you guys and you guys help us to know if any of them are valuable and we want to give them to our time, you know, wow. and, um, and, and so many other crazy stories. I mean, just, uh, um, but I want to hear our special guest story a little bit. Yeah. Um, and uh, we've rambled on long enough. We should have brought <laughs> we should have brought Bob in before now. But Bob Pittenger, thank you yeah. so much for being on the podcast today. Um, community group facilitator here at Real Life. Uh, would you just real briefly tell us about your family? Mm-hmm. Tell us where you were born, where you grew up. Okay. And uh, and then I'm going to play 20 questions with you, man. <laughs> okay. Well, Welcome to the podcast. Well. Thanks for having me. I don't know why, um, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm Bob Pittenger. My wife is Rhonda. You may have seen us around a little bit and uh, born in Wisconsin, both of us, and we met in high school. We were married um, 40 years, 40 It'll be 42 years wow. uh, this year. I didn't know they let you get married when you were 13 <laughs> up in Wisconsin. We were 19, both of us. Wow. We're 19 Bats. years old. Uh, started dating as sophomores in high school. Wow. And uh, yeah, we have two kids, Christy, who lives seven houses down from us here in Clarksville, and then Aaron, who is uh, living in Michigan. And four grandkids, two of each, both all four girls. You were a blessed man. <laughs> so, yeah. Would absolutely. you tell us briefly how in the world did you end up from Wisconsin to Clarksville? Um, so it's it's funny because my job moved me around a little bit. So we were kind of used to not being rooted somewhere. Um, and somebody challenged me once: Where are you going to go when you retire? And I went online and did this little questionnaire, and and it was it's a site that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> it, it may have been from God. I'm not sure where that came yes. from. But um, this, uh, after I finished all these 50 questions, it told us, uh, you know, Clarksville, Tennessee is the place to go. <laughs> it got that specific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there, wow. it gave you the 10 top cities that would... Um, you'd feel most comfortable in, and it, and it asked you all kinds of crazy, um, you know, climate sports, um, opera, you know, what are the things you like? Are you more conservative, more liberal, you know, that type of thing. So Clarksville was, uh, was number one. So we just decided, you know, let's, uh, let's go there when we retire. Well, what happened was, um, in 2019, uh, there was some events that happened at work where I was freed up a little bit. And my boss said, you can live wherever you want. And Ron and I both looked at each other and said, let's go to Clarksville. (laughs) So we packed up. We know no one in this area. Um, We just packed up and moved and on faith that God was moving us here. And you mentioned about God having you in a place and time and and all of that. And we truly believe that. We believe that God brought us here and uh, we're here for a reason. And uh, hopefully this is part of um, 
what we can help with. It's so great. When we planted this church, Susan and I moved from Scottsdale, took a massive pay cut to come plant this church. And we're living in this house that doesn't belong to us. And we're packed in as a family. And we're like, Lord, you're going to have to do this. And uh, it's a huge step of faith for us. But when we made that move, we dreamed of people like you and Rhonda coming along that had spiritual maturity, that that would be able to step into a community group and lead with wisdom and experience and a gospel-centered biblical perspective. And you, so you guys are an answer to prayer to our, our young little church. We're not a small church, but we are a young church. And... Um, You're an answer to prayer to us. Yeah. There's no question about that. Well, that's that's amazing. You guys have opened your heart so well to a stranger. You know, like in, we have this little mantra at, at real life that where strangers become friends and friends become family. And every time I'm around you, Bob, I feel mm-hmm. that more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And it's wonderful because I feel like you're both a spiritual brother and father. And... um <laughs> But you're like the best kind of father that's not overbearing, you know, and, you know, like you're patient with my folly, you know, and I just wonder like how many times you have to restrain yourself of saying, that was kind of unwise the way you said that or, you know, so thank you for your patience with us. Can, can you give us just kind of the real brief summary of how you came to Christ and began to grow in your relationship with God? So I went forward at a church service, accepted Christ with a, a person who led me uh, when I was 10 years old. Um, I don't feel like I followed God and, and, and obeyed God until I was about 17 or 18 years old. Okay, so when you, uh, you kind of walked to this aisle yes, in a church service Ex- exactly. where the gospel yep. was being preached yep. and songs were being sung, yep. did, did you feel like you were playing religion or were you responding to what the Holy Spirit was doing in your heart? <laughs> It's it's kind of funny because my sister asked me, um, do you know for sure if you're going to go to heaven? She had been to this church. I hadn't been there. And I said, no, not really. I mean, isn't that if you're good enough? And mm. she said, no, no. You know, Jesus, you know, has this plan. And the plan is that... Um, you know, he died for our sins. We uh, we accept him as our savior, and you know, then you can know for sure, you know, that you're going to heaven. And I thought, well, I want that. <laughs> as t- at ten years old, yeah. I'm like, yeah. How old was I'll your take How that. old was your sister? My sister is. Uh, how old was she when you were ten? She was fourteen. Okay. <laughs> and had she encountered the Lord and had a yes. Name? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she, was, she wanted me to come with her. Yes. You know, we, she wanted a, a you know to have a, a brother in the Lord. So, so do you feel like that's when you were reborn at ten? I do. Yeah, I yeah. do believe that that Praise that's God. when I gave my heart to God. Yes. But that's not when I decided I'm going to obey. Sure. Mm. Yeah. Sure. There was. Yeah, it's the, you know the spiritual progression. Yep. Is. It's it's uh it happens sometimes in spurts. Mm-hmm. Yep. Sometimes it happens in powerful moments. Oftentimes right. it happens in the long arc. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so what happened when you were seventeen? So um, as I graduated from high school, just kind of didn't have much of a purpose other than obviously I had um, Rhonda. Rhonda, and <laughs> she's awesome. By the way, I just I yes, I, she I, is. I don't she know is. anyone in this world who is. Uh, just a better example um, mm. to everyone, but uh, such a servant's heart. Yes. But, um, you know, and 
And so we, I actually ended up not being able to find a job in the area, and I had to move down with my sister, and who was a, a, a you know, a, a follower of Christ, and um, just really on fire for God. Where did you move from? Into we moved from northern Wisconsin. Uh, we used to live in Chippewa Falls, and okay. moved down to a really small town in in southern Wisconsin called Albany, Wisconsin. When you were 17, this happened? When I was, after I graduated high school, so it would have been 18. Okay. 18. Yeah. Uh, so, but something happened spiritually where you really began to dig, sink your roots into the Lord. Yeah, I mean, once we moved down uh, with my sister, just seeing the example yeah. mm. that she and my brother-in-law were, every yes. morning I would get up and see his Bible open wow. and, you know, this type of thing. And uh, just the, the prayer and the, you know, it was just, I need that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I felt like I wasn't quite connected yeah. and, and that helped. So there's this principle, discipleship is more caught than taught. Exactly. And there it is exactly. lived out in your life again. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we're so thankful you and Rhonda are at Real Life. You, you lead a community group. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us just real briefly about your community group. Oh, it's experience. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, no one knew any of us. So wow. in other words, the, you know, Strangers. everybody came and, and it's like, does anyone know anyone? And they're <laughs> yeah. like, no, nobody. Wow. Knows anyone. That's so wild. So it was complete strangers, all yeah. of us. Yeah. And, um, it was like two weeks in and, and we're all in, I mean, yeah. we all gelled and we're praying for one another and we got group texts going and, and, uh, we're all just doing life together. And, um, you know, we've, we've had times of struggles and, and, had to, you know, pray. I've prayed on the phone with several people and they've done the same. And, you know, it's just been really a a good growth period for our group. Not to be too nosy, but you've kind of systematically had the people in your group to your home. We have. Um, What, what possessed you to do that? What led you to do that? Yeah, so we just felt like we wanted to get to know them one-on-one versus in a group. Yep. And a lot of times people say, well, I'll have someone over, but I'll have someone else with them so it's a little more comfortable or whatever. We wanted them one-on-one yeah. so we could find out their story and understand where they're coming from. And at that point, they can tell you some of the struggles, some of the things they're going through, and uh, you, you just know how to pray for them. You know how to, how to you know, encourage them. Yeah. You guys had Susan and I. Yes, we did. did. We're so thankful. (laughs) We so enjoyed that time to get to know you guys. And you're right. It was awesome. You know, over a meal, Mm -hmm. slowed down. You really do get to open your hearts to people. I'm so thankful for that example. I think think if every one of our community group facilitators followed that that simple action, and it may not be simple. There may be a lot of okay, how are we going to get a different night on the week to do that? You know, and mm-hmm. what providing a meal for somebody else requires expense, you know? So um, it's simple, but it might be difficult. Right. But um, I just think, wow, what what could happen throughout our whole church if folks took that simple step mm-hmm. that you guys have to. And I've heard other folks in this community group describe your group as it's our, it's our family. And mm-hmm. so I think like. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I think that just shows that like the work is mm-hmm. worth it. And just, so you know, Bob already like, just be ready. Cause in the, our next training for leaders, <laughs> I'm going to be having this interview in front of everyone. If you're willing, cause I, mm-hmm. I, Freddie, it's exactly what you said. Like if, if our leaders could catch that mindset that it's not about 
you know, an hour, hour and a half Bible study. It's about really sharing your lives together, Mm -hmm. which is what you're doing. I just love that. So thank you for making that sacrifice. You know, as we talk about our time, it's our time to equip and empower every generation. And, you know, I think that's what we do through our example is we equip others. It's what we do through like instruction and training community group leaders. It's what we do by sharing our testimony of what we've experienced. Here's the mistakes we've made. Don't do these, you know, and that's, that's equipping and empowering people to know how to be hospitable and hospitality is a requirement for an elder in the church. It's a really big deal, right? In the, you know, for the, for the body of Christ in um, opening your heart uh, to, to strangers and, um, so I'm thankful for that example, but I but we're talking about this because this is a part of our time. Yep. Right. Our our time is not just about building a building; it's our whole ministry. And uh, I love seeing how the Pittengers are leveraged; their life is leveraged for the sake of Jesus, and already living out this our time vision. Um, Bob, you and I had coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, Rhonda, and I did right, and you shared a little bit with me about kind of the early days of your marriage mm-hmm. um, when it would have been a lot easier not to give financially to the Lord. Right. Um, can you just tell us about your giving journey as mm-hmm. a family? Yeah. So when we were first married and I got my first job, uh, jobs were not very, uh, you know, there, was, there wasn't very many jobs out there. You were 19, 19 years old. It was, I was 19. It was 1982. And, um, I had to move 200 miles down by my sister to, for the job. And when I first started, I was making three thirty-five an hour. So I just is, want to pause. Yeah. I want to pause the whole podcast. And I want everybody that's 30 years or younger to replay <laughs> what they just heard Bob say and listen to it prayerfully 10 times in a row. And if you're listening to the podcast and if you're over 30 years old, would you go ahead and pause the podcast and send this podcast to everyone you know that's under 30 years old? Now, all you under 30 people, I love you with all my heart. I genuinely love you with all my heart. Anything you need of me, it is yours. If you need a place to stay, come live at my house. If you need a meal, come eat at my, you know, whatever you need. We are here for you. If you need a ride somewhere, we'll get you to where you need to go. Um but holy cow, mm-hmm. I, the, the younger generation is on the struggle bus of understanding real life as it pertains to work. Mm-hmm. And everybody has grown up watching HDTV, so they have no concept of a starter home. Mm-hmm. They all think that they've got to have a home that's got the granite countertops and the, right. you know, all these things, right? You know, and um, you're 19 years old and you're like, I have to work. Mm-hmm. Okay, there's a job 200 miles away. Okay, right. I'll move. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. That was literally what it was. And Rhonda had, um, was planning to be a nurse. She had started her schooling where we were um, and now wanted to finish where we moved to. And so I got the job. She went off to, f- to finish school and found out that none of her credits were transferred. Mm. So we decided at that point, let's just have a family, you know, and she had some nursing training, which is awesome for, you know, for a mom. And uh, so we decided to have a family. And, you know, the funny part is when I was making 335 an hour, 
we decided from that point that we were going to tithe. Whatever it was, God was going to have to provide. And I, I, it's we, we laugh because I told Rhonda, you have, you have $25 a week for groceries. That's all you get. Oh, wow. You know, and she would take a calculator with her to the grocery store. And um, so <clears throat> we started. And, and within the very first week of my employment, my boss came up to me with my check. And he said, you know, I promised that I would give you three thirty-five an hour, but I'm going to give you $4 an hour wow. because oh, you're wow. already working out really well. And, you know, I just feel like I, I need to do that. Wow. And I think part of that was just the faithfulness of God because we didn't really know any better. We just, <laughs> we just knew that we needed to obey. So let's be clear. Mm-hmm. What you're not giving us is a health and wealth testimony no. because... <laughs> Four dollars an hour is not wealthy, <laughs> <laughs> even in nineteen eighty two. Well, and it doesn't it doesn't guarantee just because I'm faithful and right. in, in yeah. tithing or anything like that right. that God's going to all right. of a sudden do that. But right, He is faithful at times. You know, when I should say He's always faithful, but yeah. He He sometimes will provide it. It, it extra. It materializes sometimes yeah, it in a raise. Mm-hmm. Right, His faithfulness. I think when we when we look at Haggai. A couple of things we do see in the story of Haggai when we go to the scripture to see, okay, God doesn't promise wealth. You're going to get wealthy if you just tithe. Mm-hmm. But he does say, if you don't honor the first priority, I'll discipline you. Right. And I'm going <laughs> to blow it all away. Your money's going right. to be put into a bag with holes in it, right? Um, but then but then also he he tells Israel, I will be with you. And sometimes it's the presence of God without the rays right. that we realize becomes our treasure. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's the rays that is the fulfillment of that promise, right. I will be with you. And you see when your boss comes in and says, hey, 335 to 4, <laughs> God, you are with me. Absolutely. Love that. Imagine what the percentage of that is. You know, it's just like, that was a pretty big percentage. That's, that's huge. And like, (laughs) Baba, as you were saying, one of the things that hit me is I I can imagine there might be somebody in our church or our community that might think like, man, I like they hear like the big amounts that are being given and they, they look at like the little that they have and they're like, Mm -hmm. they might feel like, man, I, I wish I could give you more, but here's what I, what I can do. And I love your heart because, and that's God's heart too. It's about like what we have. It's not about what we don't have. And you were faithful in the little that you had, but now years later, God has enlarged like Mm -hmm. your ministry. I make more than 335 an hour. You make a little more than 335 (laughs) an hour now, and now you're able to give more. And so I think that's just a great encouragement for anyone listening that it's not, you know, it's not about the big amount. It's about your heart. And it's about like, you know, you know, the sacrifice. I I love that. hundred percent. I want to poke around in this just a little bit. So how much did you have a month for grocery? $25. Actually 25 a week. So it was a hundred dollars a month. Okay. A hundred dollars a month. And, um, for groceries and, um, $4 an hour. So, can you help me to understand? Because I think that the, the, I think the temptation for a lot of young couples are, um, we're not yet in that um, large income uh, 
um, raising that large income season of our life, mm-hmm. we'll give later. Yeah, when yeah. we have more to give, um, it must have been difficult mm-hmm. to say. Uh, was it? Let me let me yeah. just ask. Maybe it wasn't. Was it difficult for you at nineteen, newly married? limited grocery budget was it difficult right. for you to tithe well fortunately we were both um became christians at an early age so for us it wasn't even ours mm. to begin with you learned in your discipleship journey right through the teaching of god's word mm-hmm. that what you had wasn't yours uh, how would you define tithe you were using this word yeah. And folks listening may have no clue what we're talking about. How right. do you define that? So we just knew that the top 10%, the first 10% was God's. And that's just, we. It, it's not that we didn't feel like there was an obligation that you have to have, you know, 10%. But we picked that because it's biblical, because it goes uh, back to the Old Testament. And we just decided that's what we're going to do. We're going to give 10% right off the top and... Um, it's not ours to begin with. And so Rhonda and I had no struggles. It was, it was just what it was. And back then it wasn't much, <laughs> which kind of helps as well. I mean, 10% of a really small amount is not much. Sure. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, but, but it, it was the obedience thing, I think, that mm. gave joy. Yeah. 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 So, so a tithe means a tenth. Mm-hmm. And we see that principle and that, <coughs> excuse me, that command in the Old Testament to tithe, mm-hmm. many would argue, okay, that was kind of Old Testament law that's now, uh, you know, been fulfilled in Christ, and that's no longer relevant. Jesus does affirm the disciples' tithing on their mint and dill, and so, so Jesus does go on record affirming. He he tells them, "You tithe on your mint and dill and in, in, in all these things," and he says that you should have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, without neglecting the other, and the other was the heart. <laughs> yeah. So they were getting right the action, and they were getting wrong the heart. So he was rebuking their lack of heart in their giving. Right. But he was affirming the the the, the tithe. But here's here's this is what's so interesting when when it comes up with tithing, you know, conversations. Okay, let's just grant that tithing is no longer the New Testament re- requirement for God's people. Um, but Jesus always seemed to raise the bar, not lower it, right? So like when when Jesus takes the Old Testament law, he doesn't lower the bar, he raises it. So he mm-hmm. says he says things like, you have heard, you should not murder. But I tell you, if you have hatred in your heart for your brother, you've already committed murder, right? So, so Jesus like takes murder and he says, no, 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 don't hate. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then Jesus said, you've, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery, but I tell you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already you've already committed adultery with her in your heart. So Jesus takes don't commit adultery, and he raises the bar and says, no, 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 don't lust. So I like, I I think like when folks like put forth an argument that well tenth is it's just Old Testament. I'm like, yeah, but what did Jesus do? Always, <laughs> right. yeah. He Can you imagine the if bar. Jesus said, "You've heard it that it's ten percent, but I tell you, it's five. Right, right. So, so what did Jesus do? Jesus said, um, "Deny yourself and die." I mean, like you know, like you know, like like your life, you know, and 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 so. Um, well, and even you know, since that first decision that we're going to give ten percent. Um, 
you know, building programs came along, along mm. the way. There's several of them that we had during our, you know, our lifetime. And this so, is not your first rodeo. No. Uh-uh. <laughs> Tell us about that. So, I mean, it started fairly early on in our, in our marriage that there was, you know, a church that, that wanted to expand and, you know, we got, we were part of that giving and, um, so, and, and more, as of more recently, um, we had a church that, um, had a similar thing to our time and we had 175 people who, uh, met in a school and we were building on some land that was 19 acres at the time. And our very first Sunday was the week before Easter. We showed up and instead of 175, which is the number that we started with the very first week. We had over 400 people. In your new building? In our new building. <laughs> and we didn't advertise. We actually yeah. advertised on the sign outside, first Sunday will be Easter Sunday. So wow, wow. The, the pastor immediately had a meeting and said, <laughs> we're going to do three services tomorrow. Because we had 175, but we built with a 400 you know, capacity. capacity. And uh, Easter Sunday, we had over 800. I, I so huh. appreciate you saying wow. that because... I, like I'm, I'm not a prophet. I'm nor no. the son of a prophet. So I'm not, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't think our people have ever heard me say, Hey, we need to build this building because we're going to double our size when yeah. we build the building. Right. But every season in the life of our church, we've continued to reach people far from Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we have, we have folks in our church that have had painful church experiences and they find mm-hmm. real life to be a safe place to heal. We, we find folks that grew up not knowing Christ and they find Jesus through through the gospel, uh, through relationships and in our church. And then we have folks like yourself and DJ Daniel Cox that have moved from other states and have found a home in real life. And so I just so love what you're describing because anybody can see on on the most basic level um, we need to invest in this so we can steward what God's entrusting to us mm-hmm. because he keeps entrusting people right. that he loves. And so we need the space right. to be able to gather God's people together. Jesus once told the disciples, he, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. and that's true for Montgomery County. In the surrounding counties, he has other sheep that he wants to call into the fold. Well, we've seen God's faithfulness through that, and we know that he'll be faithful here. Um, Just one more quick story. That Easter Sunday, we had 800 or whatever the number was. Um, That June, which is only a few months later, we had 50 people baptized. Come on. So it's really not about... I mean, everybody talks about, is it the number, you know, sure. and, and it really isn't about the number. It's about the people yeah, yeah. and the people who are far <laughs> from God, like you said, and, and need Christ. I mean, looking at the stories you were, you know, you're telling earlier today, you know, people need Christ so much mm. in the world today. Yeah. In real life, I've only had one person ask me how many people we had. Yeah. You know who it was? No, my my dad. <laughs> That's hilarious, and he asks every single week. He wants to know, you that know, is so funny. like a good dad, I guess, you know. But um, uh, yeah, we don't even we don't even publish the attendance numbers. Right. We like we we track it. We evaluate every aspect of our ministry, 
and we always want to be growing and improving. We believe healthy things grow. Right. You know, and so we do believe that growth is often an indicator of, of health. Um, sometimes it might just be we've got a dysfunctional system over here. You know, it's mm-hmm. not a spiritual thing. It's just a logistical thing. And the communication's not, you know, you know, like we just we just heard from somebody the other day, and they said, uh, they said, hey, we didn't know about the advanced commitment night, you know, and we were like, well, we mm-hmm. sent you an email. Well, they didn't get the email. Well, you know, so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, it may have nothing to do with a spit. It might be a lot like a clerical error, right? Mm-hmm. You know, so we're right. always evaluating everything just to make sure that the, the systems are firing on all cylinders. But you're newly married, you're 19, mm-hmm. you're tithing, and you've got $25 a week for groceries. Right. And you're like, we just already decided that's who we are. Mm-hmm. That's that's our commitment. That's what we're going to do. We're going to start at 10%. This was good for God's people in the Old Testament. We're not going to drop that down. We're just going to anchor into that. And then you find yourself in churches that are asking you to give um, more because right. of what God was doing, and you chose to give more. Right. Um, there, there's people on the podcast today listening to the podcast. They, they haven't given anything mm-hmm. because they feel like the grocery budget is so high mm-hmm. and they feel like they can't give to the Lord and eat. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue, no, you can <laughs> like you travel to a third world country tomorrow and you'll realize you can give and eat. Uh, mm-hmm. but um, but, but practically speaking, it's hard. It is it's hard. You've got, you've got, you've got 19, you've got 22 year olds that are graduating from college with tens of thousands of dollars of debt mm-hmm. and they just feel like it just smothers them. Right? right. So, so for the young couple who hears your story about you and Rhonda at age 19 and tithing 10% of your income to the Lord Jesus. Mm-hmm. And then as a young married couple in your twenties, thirties, finding yourself in these churches that were in these building programs, inviting people to give more than 10%. Mm-hmm. And you chose to do that. Right. Why? Why did you choose to do that? Well, it, I think part of it is just we never really assumed it was ours. We, we okay. knew that um, starting out, 100% is his. He gives us back 90%. Right. And that mm-hmm. 90% seems to work. I mean, it, it just worked. It seemed like when we committed that God made the 90% work. Um, and, and it was also a, 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 I don't, I want to, I don't want to sound too, you know, it was an obedience thing. Um, you know, can I tell a story about my, Uh, so I have wonderful grandchildren and, uh, I have, um, some that are very competitive compliant you know they they they're very good and then other ones that like to challenge the parents i love the different personalities <laughs> yes kids. so and for the record he is glowing right now if you yeah, don't see that exactly. in the podcast when, when talking about grandkids i have uh i have wonderful grandkids i have wonderful kids and we they often all have a, it real life yeah love and, well them. freddie you you walked with them remember yes. when you were at yes. our house oh, we, yes, we took yes. the walk for sure. we walk every night we walk a they're mile delightful. around our our, our subdivision. But anyway, we, we have a granddaughter who loves to challenge authority a little bit, you know, just occasionally. And sometimes she gets very sad because she ends up on, you know, with, with the, um, you know, just the the receiving end of not doing what she should do. (laughs) There are consequences. There's consequences. (laughs) That's what I was looking for. And so I tell her, 
you know, life is so much easier if you just do what your parents ask. Wow. <laughs> and then I, I can flip that over and say, mm. I've, uh, we have a heart for, for parenting. We have a heart for marriage. Um, and we've done a lot of that type of stuff in the past, but we would always take a parenting principle or a, or a God, how God deals with us principle and apply it to parenting and same thing. So if you take that same principle of obedience creates my personal opinion, and I don't know if it's scriptural, but I believe that joy is an, an outpouring from obedience. It's the mm. fruit God. of obedience. Yeah. It's, it follows it's the obedience. source mm. of joy. It's like the tail of the comet. Yeah. The head of the comet is obedience. Yeah. But there's that tail on it of joy mm. every time. Wow. And so I would tell her, you know, life is so much easier if you just do what your parents say, because yeah. then, <laughs> then you have joy. Yes. Instead of, you know, <laughs> sitting in your consequences, and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> sitting in your consequences. It's so funny. I say the so, same thing to my kids. Yeah. I, I said, listen, our home is going to be a happy home. If you mm-hmm. do these things. Absolutely. Yep. And I tell them our home is not going to be a happy home. If you choose to do these things, you're not right. going to have a happy experience, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And it's the same way with God, how he deals with us. Mm. Yeah. We will be happy. We will be joyful. We will have, you know, uh, be grateful um, if we just do what he says. So all that sounds rosy and peachy. It does. Uh, but I want to push back on it just a little bit. Okay. So <clears throat> um, I'm finding more and more that it's easier to acknowledge intellectually that everything is God's and less in my heart. Mm -hmm. And I would just imagine that some of our listeners would be quick to say, oh, yeah, it's all God's, Mm -hmm. like intellectually. Right. But in their experience and in the application of that truth, there's a gap. Mm -hmm. There's a gap between acknowledging that and actually practicing that hundred percent like it's how do you get it from your head to your heart yeah that's the Mm -hmm. question how do you how do you get that from you do you you guys experience do you do you feel like my sense of that is is accurate hundred percent and i think i think we only grow when we're uncomfortable I think if we if we're never uncomfortable, if we never get to the point where that's a stretch for me, you know, we don't I don't think we really grow. And so we have to put ourselves in those positions where we need to stretch. I um <laughs> I've got a friend who has lost a lot of weight and it's it's through like a, an injection that she's getting. Hmm. that curbs her appetite. And I feel like that's what we want spiritually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> let me just come to church on Sunday and just inject me with a little Jesus and let that be, <laughs> let me grow that way. Yeah. But that's not the way it, that's not the way it works. No. And, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to sound like I've obeyed everything God has ever told me to do because I <laughs> guarantee he can, I'm sure he could find lots of things. Did that you hear I my sermon illustration obeyed. on Sunday? 
Oh yeah. 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 I had to, I had to go back 25 years to find a example of me disobeying the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Did you I mean, notice that? I, I went back 25 years. Yeah. Freddie, you could have just asked about, me and I could have given you like, you know, <laughs> the laundry list. <laughs> yeah. Bob. Yes. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you, that's why you need the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ every Absolutely. day, right? Absolutely. But yeah. I interrupted you. You were saying. No, I just feel like, you know, as as we give and become more obedient and more um, regular, yeah. God blesses and we become joyful and, you know, that type of thing. And for me, it's like we had to give up a lot of stuff. In those early days, I mean, we didn't have cell phones, so it wasn't, that big of a deal, but we didn't have cable TV, which was everybody had cable TV. We had an antenna and to, to this day, we still have an antenna. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I put it upstairs and wired it through the house. But you know, there was, there was some things that a lot of people had that yeah. we didn't have. Yeah. And, and both of my kids can tell you yeah. other kids had this or other kids had that because Rhonda's never worked regularly outside the home. Come on. She has, um, You've tied 10%. Yep. You've given beyond that when your church was in a, a vision series a mm-hmm. season where they needed that. And she's not worked outside the home. No, she had some temporary things that yeah. she did after yeah. the kids went off to school. Yeah. Um, and But they were short-term little, you know, jobs, but literally So no. it can be done. Mm-hmm. Generosity can be done. Generosity ought to be done. It's just good. This is good. Let me, I, I want to ask you both a question. Um, I want to take it a little deeper. Okay. You gave us such a great example of it's all gods. Mm-hmm. Let me take, let me take like the whole picture a little deeper. So I have a question and I have an answer in mind, but I want to see if your answers like, or what the way I would answer this question. So what would you say if in, in one sentence, in one sentence, what would you say is God's ultimate purpose for us. What's he doing? What's his goal mm-hmm. in our life? Do you hey, before you answer, do you have your answer? I do. Do you have your answer? I do. We haven't scripted this, mm-hmm. but I I think there's enough alignment here. Mm-hmm. Timmy, you go first. Well, I mean, I feel like I'm cheating, right? Delighting in God, right? Like it, <laughs> it, it's it's having joy in God, and I love Bob your story because it's it's what we talked about earlier. Like sometimes I feel like we think we have to feel and get the emotions first, and like, oh man, I feel the joy, and therefore mm-hmm. I'm going to give. And it's often the other way around, and I, I feel like that's kind of your story. Is like I'm going to obey. And then as you obey, God increases your dependence on him and you get mm-hmm. more joy. And so delighting in God, sometimes it's not, okay, I'm going to wait and then feel the delight in God. And then I will obey out of that. Sometimes it's, I don't, I don't feel the emotions right now, but I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And in that, he gives you this amazing joy and you learn what it means to delight in him. I love that. Hold that thought. Yeah. What, how would you answer that? So I feel like I'm cheating as well because in Sunday school, it's always the answer is always Jesus, right? <laughs> right. So I, I, you know, God's trying to make us more like Jesus. Okay. I mean, that's his where ultimate do you, where goal. Do you get is, that? Where do you get that from? Um, I don't, I don't I, know. I, I'll tell you where I, I'll tell you. Where <laughs> I so, so Timmy, I would say, okay, that your answer is a little different, but it's not because I would say delighting in God to what end? For his glory. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and how is his glory manifested in our life most clearly? Obedience. Right. As Christ obeyed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, so, so I would, I would articulate the same way you did, but I would like everything mm-hmm. you shared, Tim, I would say, yes, that's like, I'm pointing to you guys. The folks can't see. <laughs> um, in, in Romans eight, um, God tells us for, we know that all things work Romans eight twenty eight. for mm-hmm. we know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Well, how do we know that Paul? Apostle Paul's writing that. How do we know that, Paul? Mm-hmm. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into the image mm-hmm. of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Whoa. <laughs> so before yep. time existed, God had a plan, God had a purpose, God had a goal. And his goal was to mold us into the image of Jesus. He does it through us delighting in him. Mm-hmm. He does it for his glory, Tim, as you said. Mm-hmm. But the goal is... is is that he would mold us into mm. the image of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, when we look at his life, he was the most <laughs> generous human being that ever lived. Mm. He literally gave his life for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. So the more, like, so, so we can get lost in the whole conversation of money and miss the point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The point is that God's big goal is that he's molding us into the image of Jesus. Right. And Jesus was like the essence of sacrificial love. It, yeah. Like everything he, everything that he did was moving toward a moment of sacrifice mm-hmm. and generosity for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so it's not just that real life <laughs> is in this season we're calling our time, but it's that God before time began had a dream that he would mold each of us into the image of Jesus. If you have a Bible today, just open up to Romans, find 28, revel in that promise, for we know that all things work together for good. Hallelujah. Mm. Your worst day, God is going to mold it for good. Well, what is that good? Well, that good is being molded into his image. And as you trace Paul's argument, you see, for we know that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose for those that love God and are called according to his purpose for he grounds that. So how do we know that he grounds it with another four for those whom he foreknew? He also predestined to be conformed into the image of Jesus. So the good that he's writing about in verse 28 is our sanctification. That's a big fancy mm-hmm. word to say, become like Jesus mm-hmm. molded into the image of Jesus. And there's no one that delighted in God more than Jesus the Son. There's no one that displayed the glory of God more than Jesus the Son, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I think it's like you, you know, you you answered the question we were asking at the beginning of well, it wasn't ours. None of it belonged to us, right? Mm-hmm. So it's getting the big picture right, right? That you know, it's it's like seeing the forest from the. You can get lost in Dunbar Cave, Tim, if you walk sure. down the wrong trail. But if you could see like the Google Earth version, you would know exactly where you are. You would know exactly where you need to go, right? So if you get that big picture right of what is God doing in our lives and in the world, you would go, oh, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not, his goal is not to bless me with a bigger house and make me the most comfortable person. His goal is molding me into the image of Jesus. And Jesus mm-hmm. lovingly gave his life as a sacrifice for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, throughout our entire life, that 90% Mm -hmm. 
yeah. has been more than a hundred percent. Yeah. What does that, what do you mean? You know by what that? I mean? Yeah. Well, it, it's, it's the fact that we've never lived on, on a hundred percent. We've only right. lived on 90%, but the blessings that have come through the years feel like I, I always wonder kind of secretly what would have happened had I not been faithful? Wow. Um, would God have blessed like he wow. did? Wow. So good. I love that. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. maybe yeah. you know, yeah. but, but I feel like that God blessed because we were faithful. Well, you know what's really interesting to me is <clears throat> you get into how do we define blessed, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, like what does it mean to be blessed, right? You know, um, Solomon was the wealthiest man in Jerusalem that mm-hmm. ever existed. And when you look at Ecclesiastes 2, you see Solomon just giving an inventory of everything that he owned. Mm-hmm. He had lands and he had parks and he had vineyards and he had slaves and he had, you know, singers that would sing as people picked grapes off the vine and brought his cattle in. And, you know, it's, it's like every luxury you could imagine. And when you look down in chapter 2, verse 17 of Ecclesiastes, he says, so I hated life. Hmm. Hmm. I hated life. Yeah. So, so it's, so it's like all the glitz, all the glamor, all the materialism, all the wealth, all the lies the, the enemy describes wealth as the deceitfulness of riches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So how has wealth lied to us? Well, it says, if you have enough of me, you'll be secure and happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, look at Solomon. He had it all more than anybody before him in Jerusalem. And he hated life. There's a lesson there for us, huh? Absolutely. And look at celebrities today that, right. you know, they, <laughs> they have, they have it all, everything you, that you could ever ask for. I mean, even Tom Brady, you know, he says, but something's still missing. Wow. And one of the, you know, he's got five rings or six now or whatever, yeah. whatever the number is, yes. but he still feels incomplete. Right. And I feel like not just financially, and I'm not rich by any means. I don't, I don't consider myself rich, but, um, but joy and my family I, I i mean we just have such a close family mm, and yeah. i believe that god has blessed not just financially but just overall yeah um i would like nothing less or nothing more than to spend easter with my family oh, and that's so just a it's so good love it last last week i had a real lifer lady sit down with me and she had some questions and we talked through it and, and she said, when I was listening to you preach, I realized he's preaching to himself too. Mm. And I said, <laughs> yes, yes. And I feel like right now on this podcast, as we're talking about all these things, it's like, um, it's, Tim, what Psalm is it where the psalmist talks to himself and he asks the question, why are you downcast? Oh, my soul. Oh, put your hope in God. Yeah. DJ, you know where that Psalm is? You know that song? There's there's a yeah. few like that, yeah, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, there's one very specific. Uh, the, why are you downcast? Asks, yeah. yeah, why are you downcast, oh, my soul? And then he preaches the gospel to himself. Yep. Put your hope in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, look at that, 42, DJ, DJ Daniel Cox. <laughs> on He's it. a ninja on the board over there. Psalm, it's Psalm 42? Psalm 42? Interesting. Yeah. Um, anyways, the... You know, I that's what I'm doing right now. You know, yep. that's mm-hmm. why I'm that's why the podcast is long today. Mm-hmm. It's because I needed to hear these truths shape my soul. Mm-hmm. Right? It's the truth that transforms us. Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. So when we coast and we don't have the truth to correct the lies and we don't have the truth to to dissipate the fog. 
we we end up being somewhere where we don't need to be and being someone we don't need to be. Mm-hmm. But when the truth washes over our souls, it begins to shape us and change us and into the image of Jesus. And and I need that today. Yeah, mm-hmm. I yeah. so appreciate you, brother. Yeah. yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate you guys. I mean, this is a God thing from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. So you and Rhonda lead a, a community group. Yeah. If somebody's listening to this and they're not in a community group, do you have extra space? Would you welcome them in? Oh, absolutely. Okay, great. Sure. So they can go on the Real, Real Life website, go to community groups. They could join your community group right can, now. If they can find it. Yeah. yeah <laughs> right. I, just, I just mentioned to Tim, we, we technically are full, but we're I still open to more. Yep. So I just mentioned to him that uh, it might be good. All right. To by noon today, up. Tim will have your group open. <laughs> open again. Open right. for business. Um, if... If a real lifer wanted to sit down with you and ask you more questions mm-hmm. about how you and Rhonda have done this, yep. would you guys be open to that? Absolutely. So they could just yeah. email Tim or myself and sure. say, hey, I'd love to sit down with Bob and Rhonda. We'd even cook them dinner and have them over. Wow. There you go. So, Amazing. Yeah. So real life, what a family you were a part of. Yeah. You just got an invitation to dinner from, from, <laughs> from, from strangers yeah. that are willing to open their life and invest in you and disciple you. Mm-hmm. And um, that's the church. Yeah. That's beautiful. Love it. Tim, what else you yeah. got today? Ah, uh, man, my heart is full. Yeah, like uh, it's, you know, you come in here early on a, on a Tuesday morning, a little <laughs> bit tired and you wake up and in the conversation, I'm just so energized yeah. and excited about what God's doing. Yeah. So yeah. Bob, thanks. You got any questions for us? Thank you. Um, no, you know, one of the things when I first visited real life, I think that was, uh, I've mentioned it to you is what we were looking for was a clear presentation of the gospel. Mm. And other churches that we'd visited in the past were, you know, we just felt like, why is it not just like right out there and clear? And we were so happy when we landed it real life and there was such a clear, clear gospel message. Well, keep praying for us and yeah. keep helping yeah. us communicate that in every avenue and, uh, the enemy will do everything he can to disrupt us from declaring what Paul said is of first importance. Right. Yeah. The gospel. And, uh, yeah. So Lord, let's just close in prayer. Let's just ask for his help, his faithfulness to continue to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Um, father, we thank you in Jesus name for your great love, your presence in our life. We pray today by the Holy spirit who lives in us, Mm -hmm. who comforts us and convicts us who cries out with our spirit, Abba, Father. And uh, Lord, we think of what Paul said in Colossians 1. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone in order that we may present everyone mature in Christ. Mm. Um, Lord, that's our longing, is that is that your church, your bride, your people, your peculiar people in this world would mature, yeah. that they would be whole and complete, that they would be a display of, of your glory. And we know that that comes through proclaiming Christ in the good news of his life, death, his resurrection and his coming again. Lord Jesus, you are our all. We lack no good thing because you are a father. Yeah. yeah. Um, so thank you, Lord. We pray for our church. Lord, I just feel how difficult it is to trust you mm-hmm. with finances, with things that people are working hard for. Lord, I pray you would connect the dots today in people's minds and hearts of how they can trust you. 
I pray you would assure them, you would carry them, you would strengthen them, you would inspire them, you would stretch their faith, and you would quickly, just as you did with Bob as a young married man devoted to you, that you would quickly show them that you are faithful, that you will provide, that you've got their back, Mm. that you indeed are a shepherd and we shall not be in want. So we love you today. We give you glory, Lord. We we believe it is our time. It's our time to glorify you. It's our time to proclaim you. It's our time to to see your kingdom grow. And uh, so, Father, would you establish the work of our hands? Help us mm. to be faithful. And um, Lord, move on every heart. Mm. Move on the heart of every real lifer to take a step to trust you in a new way. Yeah. And. Um, we just we watch with expectation for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. 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 Brothers, what time is it? Our, Our time. time. <laughs> Bob, thanks for being on the podcast. No problem. Tim, thank you, man. Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.